0: You're listening to the IBSC Living History Project. I'm Tom Batty, Executive Director of the IBSC, and it's a privilege to introduce the third part in this limited podcast series. In parts one and two, Bruce Collins spoke with Rick Melvoin and John Farber about the early days of IBSC. In this third segment, Bruce continues the conversation with Brad Joyer. Who has loyally and generously served the IBSC over many years. Brad is currently a member of the IBSC Board of Trustees and Vice Chair for the Americas. Brad chaired the Board of Trustees from 1999 to 2003 and, as Headmaster of Montgomery Bell Academy in Nashville, hosted the IBSC Annual Conference in 1999 and again in 2014. Brad also served as chair of the IBSC Programme Committee for many years. In June of this year, Brad will finish his tenure as headmaster of Montgomery Bell Academy that began in 1994. During this time, MBA has enjoyed notable achievements in academic pursuits, athletics, the arts and annual giving. Close to Brad's heart has been the oversight of the growth and development of the school's physical environment. This has included the transformation of the school's Harding Road campus, the addition of 10 acres at Sylvan Park, and the acquisition of 150 acres in McMinnville, Tennessee, that is now home to the school's observatory. Under Brad's leadership, MBA's reach has expanded beyond the borders of the United States with exchange programs on five continents that send nigh on 100 boys across the globe each year. Importantly, in addition to all that crosses his headmaster's desk, Brad also teaches Advanced Placement English to the boys of MBA. Prior to his arrival at MBA, Brad spent 18 years at the Darlington School in Rome, Georgia, where he served in a variety of roles, including as a member of the English Faculty, Director of Admission and Financial Aid, and Headmaster. Brad holds a BA in English from the University of the South, an MA in English from Middlebury College, and an M.Ed Administration from West Georgia College. Brad, we thank you for participating in this project and sharing memories from your many years of involvement with and contribution to IBSC. Most importantly, we thank you for a truly mammoth contribution to IBSC and hence its member schools and
1: most importantly, the boys they serve. Brad, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Wonderful to speak to you about the history of IBSC and your involvement, particularly in those those early years. And maybe we can kick off with this question. And I know you've been at Montgomery Bell for 28 years, starting your 29th. Um, How long have you been involved with the IBSC? I have been part of the
2: IBSC since 1994 with a two-year hiatus when I uh, was off the board uh, but but still involved by virtue of going to meetings and keeping in in touch and communication with people who were intimately engaged in the uh, organization. Uh, While I was on the board, I suggested that there be some rotation because it seemed like it was too much of an old boys network that uh needed to have a little bit of uh freshness, and I was actually the first person to rotate off the board and then consequently the first person to rotate back onto the board
1: and I think we've we've seen so many wonderful and interesting people um, add their voice to that group and the shaping of this organization over the years
2: yes no it it started uh in a much more informal way than it has evolved, uh, as most organizations do. And, uh, and so I had, a, a window into seeing that historically when, you know, it was mostly shaped by a group of boys, school heads, uh, in fact, exclusively so, uh, North American, uh, who, uh, Actually, one and including in that North America, not just America, but one Canadian head. Uh, and uh, it was very intimate and very less uh, uh, structured than it is now, uh, as you would imagine, because it was just simply a group of people who knew one another well, who were interested in the advocacy of boys' schools and who recognized that there was a need to have some organizational unit that captured uh, both the ideas and the desire to promote boys' education. And, and, and I think, as many people know, it evolved out of a meeting that uh, was set up because there was some concern that co-education, and coeducation education uh, indoctrination was uh, so strong that perhaps the boys' schools were at risk of uh, existing. And and so that really was the impetus for
1: the boys' school coalition. So in those early years, and, and you've alluded to this, um, some of those forces at play obviously were the sense that boys schools might be or all boys education might be under threat from co-ed education or um that people had perceptions of boys education that might not uh, be a true reflection of what's happening in in boys schools were, were there other forces at play that drew these heads together who initially established the organization and, and the opportunity to connect
2: well just a. Uh i guess give some illustration or concrete definition to the notion of the threat um uh, i think the obvious uh issue was that there were a number of boys schools that were becoming coeducational and and so that reality awakened this uh worry that uh Boy schools were somewhat at risk, and 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 their and the voices for the benefits of boys' schools uh, needed to come to the forefront, and that I think was the impetus for
1: beginning the IBSC. And what were some of those goals in the early years, Brad? As as you met together, you say informally, and I think as the coalition has become more established those goals have become clearer. But in the early years, you know, was that main goal simply to advocate for the education of boys at all boys schools or, or were there some other things that, that were important at, at that stage?
2: I, I can think of a few things that were important and I can highlight one trend that has seemed to stay with the IBSC all those years. And that is that uh, there was never a defensive posture; it was more of a view that we should talk about the values of a boys' school, the importance of that option and opportunity, and not to seem too uh, defensive and 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 too assertive that boys' education was either. Better than or uh, an alternative that you know, that uh, was uh, more thoughtful, more beneficial. it was more that this is a great opportunity for boys to be educated, for uh, the internal worlds of boys to be developed, uh, for boys to have both a safe, and meaningful uh, place uh, to to express who they are and to enjoy the opportunities that we all see in boys' schools, where they, you know, are part of the theater productions, part of the student government productions. Uh, They relish doing music and art as well as athletics. And so the boundaries, the stereotypes, of what and who boys are uh, we feel haven't been as limiting uh, as they seem to be in our societies in co-educational settings. And that's never to say that we're better than. It's different. And it's it's just simply a wonderful opportunity,
1: wonderful option. And I think that's evidence, too, I'm sure you would agree, Brad, in, in the number of research projects over the years that we've seen birth out of IBSC that that stance has never been, as you say, about being defensive, but it's about painting a picture of how boys' schools can be good for all boys, no matter how they identify and no matter what their interests are. And that's been one of the exciting things for me as I've been involved in a much shorter time than you have with with the organisation. Brad, as, as you look back over your many years of involvement, what might some of the highlights be and and maybe some of the achievements of the organization that really stand out for you as significance?
2: Almost since those beginning years, um, there was a a desire and embrace of the international world and, and story. And it it obviously was appealing to me uh, because I've created a lot of exchange programs uh, to say this is a dimension I really like about the IBSC. Uh, this is part of who we are. We understand that whether you're in Japan or New Zealand or South Africa or Canada or South America, there is something that we all have in common, and there is something we can learn from one another. So very early on, you know, I, I, even though Canada is part of North America, just traveling up to uh, Toronto to Upper Canada College, and kind of witnessing firsthand that there are great boys' schools that we can all learn from around the world was always and has always been important to me and and then going to Australia not long after that to Perth and being part of a boys school conference early on in in our history that was important to me Um, I got involved uh, not just early on in terms of you know the uh, the development of the IBSC Uh, but I was relatively early, uh, as, as a president of the IBSC. I think I was the third president, if I have that right. I think it was Rick Hawley and then Bruce, uh, from the town school. And then I was third and my tenure was, was an interesting time period for a couple of reasons. First, uh, I think the expansion of the international programs and relationships uh, exploded somewhat. Uh, Secondly, uh, we had to sort out how to uh, change the office structure of the IBSC from being essentially the headmaster's office at university school where Rick Hawley was and his assistant as being the executive director uh, to making it more formalized. And, and, you know, that was not an easy uh, maneuver. I, there was a lot of nuance to trying to understand, you know, how do you wrest this situation out of Rick's office? Not that he was defensive or overproductive, but I think Ann, his assistant was very engaged and enjoyed the relationship with the IBSC. And I knew at the time, as good as Ann was, that we needed uh, probably to professionalize the IBSC a little bit more. So that was not uh, probably the most fun I had in, uh, in being involved in the IBSC. But honestly, it was probably one of the most important things that I did. And I think lastly, we had to figure out uh, how to have this international relationship, but still to have the, the housing, the voting actually of the IBSC in America. And uh, I think we walked that tightrope carefully and, 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 and successfully throughout the years. Uh, and, and I think we've done a better and better job having had several individuals be the president of the IBSC who are outside North America and having a number of of trustees, obviously, who are outside and mandated now to be uh, beyond North America. So that was definitely part of my tenure
1: and and storyline in being involved. Brad, I wonder in in those early years, um, could you and others ever have imagined that IBSC would grow into the organization it is, Today, with the global impact it enjoys in boys' schools and in the lives of boys, the reach is is quite significant.
2: Yes, and and you know I've probably had a certainly a glimpse of that. You know, both by traveling to Australia to Perth, you know, a place that I, I knew from John Glenn's orbit around the the Earth was you know a a significant. Uh, uh, part of his travels, because, you know, it, you may recall that he, Perth had sort of flashed their lights so he could see them. But it was my first trip to Australia. And it was, I think, an acknowledgement, uh, if not consciously, unconsciously, that, OK, this is an organization where we're going to have a lot of friends around the world. And then secondly, when I started developing exchanges in South Africa, Australia, England, New Zealand, uh, Singapore, uh, Bogota, I realized this could be one of the richest assets of the organization, you know, this network. And I would probably say that that is still uh underestimated and underdeveloped. I think we have a lot more ground to till and explore uh, with
1: the international connections. And so as you think about those early years again of, of IBSC, how, how would you say boys educators and leaders in boys schools might approach the challenges and opportunities faced by boys schools today, based on the lessons that we've learned over the years um, as an organization.
2: Well, if you, if you take, let's say, the race issues
1: that have
2: been so prominent and, and troubling in the United States, and you think about what South Africa has gone through, or you think about what Australia and New Zealand have dealt with, with their uh, minority uh, groups, I think we can learn a lot from one another, and I think benefit from one another. You know, it was staggering for me for example, to go to Soweto and see, you know, how the race issues, the museum there just looked like the 1960s here, you know, it was no different. And I think it, it speaks to the concept I spoke about earlier, uh, of, uh, there is a common, uh, ground throughout the world. And, and I think that, uh, you know, if you think about how the Maori uh, individuals are integrated in New Zealand, uh, and 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 how they, you know, actually study the language and the school and the culture, I think we can gain some perspective from that. Uh, and um, I, that's why I say I think there's more ground to till and to learn from. And, and I don't think we. I think we have a great road ahead uh, because of these international
1: connections. Brad, it's been wonderful speaking to you. And, and I wanna leave with one final question. And I think as someone who, who many look up to and have learned from, um, I wonder what words of encouragement you might have for current leaders and faculty in boys' schools around the world as they continue to, to face the challenge of, of educating boys in the current climate. I'd say the first topic is to continue
2: to enjoy and to promote the benefits of being in a boys school and and not to to feel defensive uh, about all of the issues that certainly have plagued men and boys in recent years, Uh, you know, feeling entitled, feeling Uh, as if uh, boys have the upper hand. I think that the values of a boys' school uh, are very much focused on what we hope to promote at our school in terms of one of the ideals, which is, you know, what a gentleman is, a gentle man, somebody who is sensitive, somebody who is empathetic, somebody who is respectful, somebody who understands that gentleness, in fact, uh, is real strength, and real strength is gentleness. And I think that vulnerability is really important for boys, and I think we will, in fact, build better men if we all uh, work together to see that those values and to imbue those values in boys. I also think that there is a lot to learn from the IBSC, and I I believe that the research that you alluded to that we've done over the years has also been relatively untapped. In in other words, I think there are so many good ideas that can be uh, utilized and implemented in our schools from that research that we have a treasure trove of intellectual property waiting for us to be uh, used and understood and taught and and become the real professional development of a lot of our schools. And obviously, uh, what I said about the international connections, I think uh, we will be better people because we understand the world, appreciate it, and feel a
1: part of it in ways that are tangible and meaningful. Brad, you've ended with um, one of my favorite things about the IBSC, and that is those connections. Uh, I don't think I've ever been part of another organization where one has such a rich and diverse um, sort of group of people to learn from and um, to to speak about things that matter with. And so um, I want to thank you for your insights and for being part of painting this living history of the IBSC with us. Thank you for your time.
2: Well, I hope I've been a little helpful and uh, I appreciate your work on this and uh, I certainly appreciate my time with the IBSC.